Thank you for downloading the Emil for 2x2 podcast. My name is Niall Bakewell and in every episode I use the excuse of cooking a meal together to catch up with old friends, bond with new ones or bring two other people together while I eavesdrop with the rest of you. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter by searching 42x2. That's F-O-R-2-X-2. Enjoy the podcast. My fellow cook in this episode is singer-songwriter Shannon O'Neill. Shannon is the front woman of Northern Ireland rock band Sister Ghost, as well as being the founder and coordinator of the Northern Ireland Girls Rock School. So Shannon, thanks for inviting me round to cook a meal for two by two. How are you doing? No problem, feeling good. I'm very hungry. Good, so am I. Yes, yes. So it's Sunday lunchtime and I think we've delayed the food long enough. So uh, today we're going to cook a recipe that I invented. Uh, and I called it Borlotti Waldorf. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, so the reason I've called it that is so Waldorf salad, you've got like the, the main ingredients, mm. walnuts, celery and apples. Mm. So this is a hot dish, it's not a salad, so Waldorf is referring more just to the, to the idea of the dish. Um, and it's going to be a, a sort of a bean stew, almost like a stroganoff. Oh, I love it. Um, and the apples are going to come from the cider. Yeah. Um, so I'll maybe talk through the ingredients. We've got simple ingredients here. An onion, two cloves of garlic, uh, about four sticks of celery washed. Um, we're, I've brought a pack of walnuts, which we're going to eat about half of these. So that's about uh, 50 grams. No, you know what? 100 grams. Is, get some, some, some protein and yeah. 100 grams of walnuts and a tin of borlotti beans, which I've opened and, and rinsed. And we're going to serve the, this all with some basmati rice. Mm -hmm. So I think the first thing we need to do is get the basmati rice on. Yeah. Have that cooking while we're doing everything else. Rice is coming to the boil. We'll uh, we'll we'll get going with all the cooking in a second. But okay, first thing to say, Shannon O'Neill, aka Sister Ghost. Um, you've been sort of in the music scene here in Northern Ireland, really sort of. Towards the end of your music degree, I think is when you started gigging and yeah, but really like ten years ago. Like, yeah. Um, in two thousand and nine, my first gig was at the Music Hothouse in the Nurse Centre when I was fifteen. And, and that's in Derry. That's in Derry, in Northern Ireland. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, the county where I am from, um, and we supported in Soawatchie. So yeah, ah, yes. that was and that's fifteen. And so so for, for listeners who maybe aren't familiar yeah. with Northern Ireland music scene. And so I watch you from afar would have been a really, really big band. Yeah. Still are internationally a, a sort of like a math rock type uh, instrumental mm, band. Yeah. Um, and so you were so that was your first gig supporting yeah, it. And, yeah. And, yeah. So I would consider that like I have been I've been gigging in the scene since like two thousand and nine. Wow, so it's, wow. And I'm only twenty six, and sometimes I just feel like I'm an I'm an old hag <laughs> in the scene. Like <laughs> excellent. <laughs> Yeah. And um, was that with Vanilla Gloom or before then? That was that was about three or four years before Vanilla Gloom, and right. before Vanilla Gloom there was Pure and Honey. So yeah, I was in a couple of bands with like you know just my friends in school, um, and they just so happened to be all female bands at the time because you know just hanging out with all the girls. Um, but yeah, so but Vanilla Gloom was my first taste of you know being in a band and recording for the first time and writing all your own songs and having an EP launch. Um, 
you know, having reviews and touring Scotland, like, so yeah. it, was, it was amazing um, how much we packed into that one year that we were a band, yeah. Because, uh, I mean, I remember at the time you were brought to my attention because uh, my brother was in a band with uh, your sister's then partner, now wife, mm-hmm, yeah. and I was told, go and see, see these people, they do amazing music, and I was just so impressed that you guys were writing this punching, brilliant, simple, poppy grunge. There was a great buzz around it. Um, and you've been at school with those girls? Um, with one of them, with yeah. Megan, yeah, who was the bassist. So like both of us were the songwriters in that band. Um, but then we met Grace, the drummer, through my br- uh, my cousin, Ryan, who works in the OER Music Centre. So oh, like, he well, knew yes. Grace, yeah, he knew Grace and then we hooked up with Grace and it just all worked from there, yeah. Wow, wow. Yeah. And because, uh, I mean, you grew up in a village um, just sort of heading on your way to Derry, North Island, mm-hmm. Second City, a village called Dungiven. And oh, ho, 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 hold up. Oh, <laughs> a village called Feeney. Feeney, excuse me. Oh, Dungiven was the big Dungiven, smoke. Yeah, Dungiven is the big smoke with like, wow. you know, 2,000 people. Feeney is like 600 people. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You're like, I, you're the satellite of the satellite of the satellite. Oh, I, yeah. Do you remember Glasgow Berry Festival yes. up on the mountain and outside Draperstown? I was like five minutes down the road in the valley. Uh, yeah, yeah. Feeney, yeah, that's where we're from. And, and what is it like? Because, I mean, as a teenager, I was living not too far away. I was living in Coleraine, where you would have, and I would have gone to school, but not at oh, the same I, time yeah. uh, in Loretto. But, you know, in Coleraine, where you had the university and you had the seaside resorts close by, a music scene was inevitable. But mm. when you're in the proper sticks, how, how does getting a music scene going, what's it like for a teenager? It was so, it was, it was pretty difficult. I think for me, um, one of the, the big help was like one of the things that helped me the most was going to the music hothouse in Derry which was like an outreach program for teenagers um, and it's still going now and mm. it's ran in the nurse centre um, which is like Derry's equivalent of the OER music centre in Belfast yeah. um, and they just like put us into bands and we wrote songs and then we played a gig and that was the first time that I got to meet like people who were like the same age as me under the same music that you could play in a band with like because back home in Feeney like you know you've got two bars and it'll be like a cover band if you're lucky playing mm. there a couple of months but I think it's just like I love where I'm from but there's just not a lot of people back then or probably even still that you know were interested in like the type of music that I was into and I think I was lucky enough actually two guys from my primary school two or three guys from my primary school wanted to do a band when we were like 12 or 13 so we got to do that and then we were just like rehearsing in an attic and we played our first gig and been given when we were like 13 and it was like all the small things of Blink-182 and like a Metallica cover and all as well and wow yeah, so how did that go down and done <laughs> it was it was good crack because yeah. we were so young people were like yes go on you get you and all like <laughs> and by that point I mean because you went on to do a degree in music were you already you'd already been playing instruments, you'd already been learning? Um, so I started, my first like journey into music was playing violin in primary school because right. you know, they had like a funding thing where they can fund several places um, for kids to learn an instrument. So I did violin for about four years and then I quit just as it was, you know, getting to a point where I could have been perceived to be not totally shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, I, but I got bored and then my brothers were always playing guitar and eventually I convinced my mum to convince my brother to give me my first couple of lessons 
I'd saved up for my first electric guitar and got it when I was 16 and I just haven't looked back. I wow. just loved guitar. I was always a guitarist first and then a singer second because I was always um, just slightly too scared to sing and stuff. And I, I find it funny now because in Sister Ghost, like, I'm often praised for my singing, yes. like my ability and stuff. So it's weird because as a teenager, I was like, you could not get me to sing in front of people at yeah. all. Um, but yeah. It's, it, it, I'll tell you what. Pause for a sec. Uh, do you want to start dicing an onion? Sure, yeah. And I'll slice some celery here. So as I said, we've got about four sticks of celery and uh, an onion here because the rice has come to the boil and now we've uh, put it down on the simmer. So I'm going um, to try and use my dad's method of cutting an onion here to oh, stop yes. you from crying. Oh, oh, tell um, me more. Yeah, well, we'll see how it goes, but <laughs> I think I've messed it up already. But you're supposed to just, if you do it like this and hold it that way away from you so what you're doing you can slice you, it like that and then you can ah, dice it so you've chopped it sort of uh as a globe you've chopped it along the equator yeah uh, and now you've got the sort of, and then you chop that in half again so you've got that little sort of tip at the top of the mm. onion and you're pincing there and then sort of chopping it yeah uh, like a sunrise almost then, like rays ah, of the yes, sun yeah yes. So sort of splaying it and then getting diced that way. I guess yeah. I'm gonna. I might do upload a wee video of that. That's a really <laughs> effective way of doing it. Yeah. So um, basically, uh, yeah, this is in our, um As I was saying, uh, your sister-in-law was in a band with uh, my brother, and mm -hmm. around the age of eleven, I, you know, being a very amateurish guitarist myself. Oh. I sat down one day with my brother who was 11 at the time, four years younger than me, yeah. taught him a couple of chords. Oh, brilliant. Within about a week, he was considerably yeah. better than me. <laughs> and that's when I gave up trying that's to a, be in a band. That's us bloody younger siblings. <laughs> oh, it's like you're sitting there, little sponges of talent, just <laughs> sucking it all up and doing it far better than you ever could. Um, so yeah, uh, so it doesn't it doesn't surprise me at all that story. It sounds too painfully familiar, you know. Yeah, Danny actually, um, whenever he did give me my first guitar lesson, uh, the first lesson he gave me was a sheet of guitar chords, and he says, "Come back in two weeks when you know the chords." Wow, <laughs> wow. And I did it. I remember going like challenge accepted. Yeah. <laughs> so um, so then yeah, basically from teenage years and then through your music degree, you were in Vanilla Glue. Mm. Yeah, and, and yeah, like whenever that ended, um, it took about a year to kind of reset. And I was talking about this recently, being like in in Pure El Honey, which was my first band where we recorded an EP. So I consider that as like the first proper band, really. Mm. Um, I was a guitarist, lead guitarist, but I was a backing singer. Yes. Then Vanilla Gloom. I was lead guitarist, but I was also a shared singer. Yes. And then Sister Ghost. I was finally in the position to be lead singer and you know lead shared guitarist so you know it was kind of like you know the stepping stones up towards that yes um do you so want to chuck the onion in the oil there sure, and, yeah. uh, i've turned it now it's a bit hot right now but i've turned the heat down so it shouldn't brown we're, we're looking to sweat it not brown it okay. so if you give it a, a quick stir around for a bit while the while the heat sort of goes under it dies under it so that we can um yeah here take that off the heat for a second so we're working with, um, not with gas, but with uh, induction hob today. So it takes a bit longer for it to uh, sort of change heat when you ask it to. But, yeah. Um, so, yes. so yeah, with, with Vanilla Gloom, there was, 
there was amazing talent, great songs, but there was also a huge amount of hype. Do you yes. think that some of that hype put too much pressure on you guys? I think absolutely. We were very young. Um, I had just turned 21 by the time we'd finished and Megan was just turning 20. Um, and I think looking back, because at the time I, you know, I wasn't aware of what tokenism was, I wasn't aware <laughs> of just how hungry some people are to make money off musicians yeah. or young artists. Um, so we, you know, were offered some, you know, to be signed after playing one gig, you know, things like that. Yeah. And at that point we had only six songs in our repertoire. But I knew at the time that that wasn't right because I'd been brought up to think that, you know, you got to earn things, you mm. have to work hard, you need to have more than six songs to be getting signed. Like yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yes, I think there was a lot of pressure. Really, it was really good to, you know, experience all those things, to have the opportunity to play like, you know, Glas Glas Glasgow Berry Festival. Which was like the big hard rock festival up in the Northwest. It was amazing, it was so good to play. Um, and we actually got to play it that last year before it, before it finished. Wow, um, wow. And even just the experience of touring Scotland, like that's some of those memories, you know, I'm still so fond of as well, and I know Megan is as well. Um, but yeah, so I think it was good to take that year out um, and just kind of reset myself and be like, you know, how am I feeling about music? Do I still want to do it? And then I realised, of course I still want to do it. Um, I've got still so much more to, to experience um, and to do. So that's how I got started. I literally got started in my bedroom and I recorded all the parts myself, played all the drum parts, bass parts, wow. guitar parts, sang all the parts. Yeah, yeah. So a real sort of <laughs> early Prince experience of like <laughs> yeah. getting in the studio and mm, yeah. to get those onions back on and get them sweat and um, yeah, because uh, I, I think that there are, there is always a yeah as you said a hunger within the within the the record industry. Yeah, you can be taken advantage. Yeah, of just just the total exploitation. So that where very quickly you find someone else is driving the agenda of your music, mm. you're making none of the money, and mm. it's something I, I touched on in another podcast with my friend Maraid in a different genre in the sort of um, pop diva singing genre of music yeah. where you know where now everything is completely focused on winning x factor uh, and the exploitation there where mm -hmm. the one thing we talked about was you know what you're set up there as either you're singing in the local club or your christmas number one but your christmas number one and you'll be back singing in the local club but with yes. the x factor logo on your poster that yeah. you guys you know they, they you would have had you'd have been processed through such a mincing machine you would have wound up almost a novelty record yeah. from where you began your authenticity yeah. would have been continually undermined yeah and, and especially all because we were so young i think they would have taken advantage of that too yeah um and so you were just right to sort of duck and cover yeah. whenever that attention came so i think that you know maybe it was you know you kind of you kind of just have to trust that old saying where like you know what's for you won't pass you so yeah 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 it just wasn't meant to be you know, the, dr the, the drummer, w you know, was more, you know, interested and totally valid because she was my age at that time. Mm. And me now, looking back, is like, that's completely fine that she was career focused. It's completely fine that she wanted to, you know, you know, just just go back to life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm just chucking this salary in with the onions yeah. now. They're going to sweat down a bit together. Um, and, and so you retreated to a kind of a, quite a cloistered creative space then. Yes. It, just completely like self-focused into it um, 
and and it was scary for a while to have to you know almost rebrand and come back into the scene um wow yeah but it did it and it was well received and sister ghost has been you know we've we played berlin like we performed in california as well and like at, at camps and yeah, we've done shows in London. We supported like Pussy Riot. Steve Albini Shell yeah. Act was incredible. Yeah, I was yeah. at that show and it was that's the first time I saw Sister Ghost. And yeah. um, it was a good show. So we're just sweating the onions and celery here. The rice is now still in its simmering phase. I've set a timer, so it's uh, got about four minutes left. Could you get out a, a wee sort of bacon tray, please? Because we're going to roast the, the oh walnuts I. in a second. Yeah. So okay. Yeah. Perfect. And um, how much, when it, when it comes to, so you write all these songs, you then bring them to the band and obviously they're going to put their slant and everything. How does, that, how does that feel whenever they're then bringing their contributions, their which inevitably is going to change the nature and the sound of the song from your original vision? Sorry, that might have... No, that's fine, don't worry about it. Um, I actually really enjoy it. I enjoy hearing something almost new again for the first time, hearing another person play it. Mm. Um, oh, I'm cut. Um, how's that? Perfect, that perfect. And if you, if you just open words. up the walnuts and spread them out along that, that's perfect. Um, so, I like being able to hear what another person's interpretation of it. Stevie is a very adaptable guitarist, and often I can just tell him the style of the guitar playing that I want, and he'll wow. just be like, okay, so like, for instance, on Grown Pains, I was like, I want something like Andy Summers from The Police. Oh. Yeah, so, <laughs> so he was able to deliver that for me, um, but I also like, you know, there's a respect there as well, there's a shared respect where if, if you know, they offer some ideas and I'm like, well, I'm not really sure that's going to work for this, can we try this? Yes. People are always willing to, to try out different things. I think there's, um, there's a lot to be said for collaboration, even yeah. whenever you are, the, you know, the main songwriter in a band. Yes, yes, absolutely. For sure. I mean, so in, in uh, Vanilla Gloom, you and Megan are writing the songs together. Yeah. Uh, is there something to be said for having one principal composer to sort of, you know, if you think about, uh, when I think about you and Megan, I think about Black Francis and um, Kim Deal, <laughs> you know, the guitarist yeah. singer and the bass player singer yes. and their clashes. Yes. I don't know if it was ever like that with that's Vanilla a, Gloom. That's a cool thing. Yeah. Um, Okay, I think every band you get that too because you're constantly compromising, um, and you you know you have to respect each other like where everyone's coming from and what their views are and what their songs are about. Um, but I think yeah, sometimes it's a lot easier in terms of like Sister Ghosts, where like I know what my song's about and I know what I want to you know to get out into this song. And no one really questions that. Like no one, no one's, you know, no one in the band's ever been like, uh, maybe you should change that lyric or like, what's mm. the song about? Like, that's completely out of the question. Um, but yeah, I think I really appreciate being able to collaborate on the music. Yes. But I don't often collaborate on the lyrics because it's such a personal thing. Yes. Yeah. I was gonna say. I mean. Yeah. You know, Sister Ghost is very much bound up with your identity. Mm. I couldn't imagine. You know any singer-songwriter really turn around to their lifelong collaborating musicians and saying, "What do you think of these?" Like maybe, mm. maybe they do. You know. Yeah, because uh, I've always wondered um, the whole Elton John, Bernie Taupin thing. Yes. Like, did Elton ever, you know, say to Bernie, "Can I change this?" Like, should should we make that small dancer? Pitchy <laughs> <laughs> <Tetchy> dancer. <laughs>
could you now pop the walnuts in the sure, oven? Yeah. One thing, so we were putting the walnuts in an oven at 180, again for 15 minutes. Yeah. If you're roasting nuts, always set a timer. Oh, yeah. Because it's one of the great sadnesses when you, you know, nuts are not cheap. Uh, and, yeah, absolutely. And when you forget about them and burn them, it's oh, such a pity. So, just a bit re recap now. The onions, garlic, and celery have been sweating in some oil for a while now. And now it's time to add the booze. So, one thing about cooking with booze. <laughs> yeah. Don't scrimp on the booze. <laughs> Always. If you cook with bad booze, you're going to get bad food. So what I've gone for here is a, uh, a vintage English cider. Let's smell it. Oh, it's yeah. good and strong. Cider, <laughs> a stronger cider has a more... No, I'm not talking about white lightning here. I'm talking about <laughs> you know, real cider. So a vintage... Scrumpy. Scrumpy, a notch, or something, something uh, that's got a bit of pep to it mm. so this is about seven percent seven eight percent so so we're going here for it's got a it's going to mm -hmm. have a nice balance of sweet and sour so it's going to have a depth of flavor to it and the alcohol although the alcohol is going to evaporate when we tip it in here mm. it's the stronger the booze if it's good quality booze the f more flavorsome it is yeah so this is going to be so tip about three quarters of that into this celery, onion, and garlic oh, mix. Okay, you tell me when to stop. Okay, just keep going. So we got this is about a 500 milliliter bottle. We're going for a bit over half, a bit more, a bit more. Yeah. Perfect. Ooh, and now exciting. we're gonna let the celery and onion and garlic continue to soften. So whack the heat up now on that. So. One part of your musical career is your own writing, and the other part I would describe as mentoring, mm -hmm. looking after the future generation. So tell us a bit about the Northern Ireland Girls Rock School. Yeah, so Girls Rock School and I, I set that up when I was still in uni in 2016, and I'd heard of it through Girls Rock School Edinburgh through Leslie, who's ah, my yes. sister's wife. Um, so yeah, so I met the director, Fiona, she was over, she just happened to be over in Belfast in December of 2015 and I gave her a phone call um, and was like, can we just go and have a coffee and a chat? And we just met in a Cafe Nero for like, you know, 40 minutes and she just told me like how they set it up and it was all just very DIY and she made it seem like, you know, I could just go out tomorrow and set it up, mm. um, which I pretty much did. Um, so the whole thing is that it's a, you know, it's a movement across the world and they say it started in 2001 in Portland in America mm. and it's all about you know empowering and encouraging female identified girls and women because um, there's ladies rock camps as well and yes. we actually do a bit of both um, in, in the Belfast one um, in the Northern Irish one sorry mm. um, so yeah so it's just about trying to increase numbers and, and visibility and representation and you know it's 2019 there's no excuse why it should be you know remarkable to see a female identified person um, or a non-binary person you know holding a guitar or holding a pair of drumsticks mm. like it's just it should no longer be no indeed of, of comment like yeah. i mean if, if you look back at the, the history of hard rock um or sort of rock metal going back 
to even you more sort of pop glam stuff like yeah. Susie Quattro mm. going on into all the punks like Paul Styron and Susie mm -hmm. Sue. Yeah, but you go you go further back than that. You go back to before even you know Chuck Berry and all. You go you go right back to Sister Rosetta Tharp, who was only inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame last year. Incredible and such an incredible guitarist as well. Mm. She just like learned um, through like you know, you know church and gospel and like those kind of things like. So good. <laughs> wow, I can't believe it. Yeah, yeah so it does go that This is where I'm, I'm learning here, sorry. Yeah, it goes that far back, and it's just, you know, and then you've got the band Fanny in the 70s, like a three piece, like awesome, but, and it's like, again, Woman of Colour. Um, all these artists who were always there, but mm. just seemed to be hidden. Yeah. You know, the hidden herstory, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I mean, a few get through, like, everyone rates the slits. Everyone rates Leader Kenny, yeah. Susie Sue, but as you said, it's so much more than that. Yeah, that, that yeah. It, it, I mean, do you find when women and girls come to your sessions that it, it's almost like you're you're giving people the permission to imagine themselves as expressing themselves in that louder, more aggressive, more raw way yeah. that, that, that our society still does not allow women and girls to express yeah. their aggression, express their anger yeah. healthily. Absolutely. And we actually did a workshop as part of the NA Human Rights Festival last December and I chose the name of the thing based around that and it was called the right to be noisy. And it's yes. just the idea that, you know, you're in schools and and I have, I've worked in schools as a classroom assistant and you know, more often than not you're hearing the girls be told to be quiet more than the boys you know that's the whole boys will be boys thing um so yeah so it's the completely true what you're saying there is that there's this preconceived notion that girls should be like demure and quiet and delicate um so yeah that was awesome seeing like a bunch of these kids and we had loads of um young women from northern ireland community of refugees and asylum seekers were there too wow um, and just like they were loving it killing it on drums oh wow <laughs> yeah. wow Great. Yeah. So it's just multiple empowerment there, yeah. you know, especially recovery from trauma of, of late war zones and everything else, and getting to express that. Yeah, and something so sim simple as just making a load of noise on the drum kit. Yeah. Like, it's so good. And I love the whole aspect of the girls rock thing where, you know, we, tr we try and keep barriers to entry low, so like, we try and keep costs low, we keep spaces free for, you know, people who need it and primarily we keep spaces free for refugees and asylum seekers based here yeah that's so important yeah. so I, i'm l i just i love the sound of this and <laughs> having two daughters who who do love loud heavy music but yeah. I, and i try to curate the playlist as much as possible to bring in female talent yes because it's so important to have role models like, yeah. yeah and yet so much of the canon is entirely male and, and you know, yeah, most me, yeah, but don't get me wrong, like I was raised on you know, Eddie Vedder from Pearl Jam, Kurt Cobain, Dave Grohl, like Stone Temple Pilots, like a lot of my heroes growing up were guys, yes, but thankfully, you know, most of them were woke as fuck, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like that famous picture of Eddie Vedder with the pro choice thing, you know, scroll yeah. on his arm, um, so but yeah, it's true, like, I, I, I'm definitely. I'm not someone who is like all your females gotta be f or, or all your heroes gotta be female. Yeah. Like it's not true. Like all your heroes are you know people who are just good people who inspire you. Like no, indeed. Yeah. It's it's funny. I mean, if I if I look at my own sort of favorite 
uh, albums of all time. Although a lot of them are written by women, they're not. You know, apart uh, apart from Kim Dale and the Breeders, still one of my favorite bands of yeah. albums is Pod, which is just yes, an Pod is amazing. Standing piece of music. Yeah. Most of the females in my record collection have a big piano. Uh, you know, yeah. it's Kate Bush, it's Tori Amos, mm-hmm. um, Carl King as well. Yeah, and, and and although you know, I love the Slits and I love Sleater Kinney, mm-hmm. they're not coming up as much. Um, and maybe I need to think more about Aye. steering away. From, uh, am I unconsciously expecting women to be more sort of soulful <laughs> piano players than rocking out? I suppose it's what you what you're you know up for listening to on that day. Like sometimes you know. Uh, the likes of the slits can be a bit jarring if it's you know a Monday morning like so yeah so aye although I did once I was having a rough morning and I put on um, money brackets bastard by swan so sometimes Monday morning's good to really yeah. brutalise yourself with That'll something you. flipping heck so you'll see here that the cider's really reduced now with the uh, celery and onion so yeah. the pan's nearly dry mm. Uh, it smells a bit like um, Christmas in my auntie's oh kitchen. Oh yes, yeah. It's, <laughs> oh, just all, all the that Christmas that smell it's, of booze. Yes, yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe she just puts like a wee bit of something into like the sauces or something. So I'm going to take that off to a low, much lower heat now. Mm-hmm. So the next thing I'm going to do is toss through the tin of berlotti beans. Berlotti beans have a lovely flavor, very nutty mm. flavor, and that's why I picked them for this. You know, you, if you can't find berlotti beans, kidney beans would be all right. Um, cannellini beans as well, Yeah. but there's something, well, the berlotti bean has a really nice flavor mm. that mixes very well with the other ingredients. Yeah. Uh, just check on the walnuts, mm-hmm. toasting the walnuts, just a bit, just to get uh, a nice flavor. So then we'll just add in the sour cream. So we've got a pot of about, What's the weight? About 150 milliliters of sour cream here. So it's almost like a, did I say it was a, b- a bit like a stroganoff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And this, this is the stroganoff part now, right? This is it. So we get the sour cream in sort of towards the end on quite a low heat because otherwise it sort of curdles. So tell me more about ethnomusicology. What the oh, I loved it. I miss it so much. Like yeah. if I had a, um, because I did film for a year, because I didn't know what I wanted to do after I left school and at 18 you're like, you know, supposed to know apparently what you want to study at <laughs> uni. Um, so I did film, dropped out, then went to tech for two years, did HMD music and then I went to Queen's and topped up with my music degree. So that was my five years worth of student loans gone, so oh. I can't do a master's because I can't afford it. But Sorry, if go ahead. I had have done a master's, it 100% would have been ethnomusicology at Queen's. Wow. Uh, I, just, I just find it so interesting. I just, I love... Um, learning about other you know humans yes <laughs> yes the world. like just as simple as that and i love music so it's you know it's perfect what would you say from from all the sort of cultures you were studying what is the big common thread of music running throughout humanity is there something it brings people together i yeah. think it's a basic need for like community even in you know, the, the most annoying of capitalist music society, you're still at the centre of it all is, you know, the live music, the people attending to it and going to going to see it, I guess. So I mean here in Northern I- here in Ireland we have the session 
which uh, is where a, a pub will yes. give free drink to reasonably <laughs> talented musicians on a Friday night. <laughs> yeah. But but where where there is a, a canon, a repertoire, and and you're expected, you know, if you're going to turn up with a fiddle. Oh, are you going to play like? And you'd better know the main <laughs> tunes that everyone recognises. <laughs> There's a kind of familiarity. So I'm burning my fingers a bit here. Uh, <laughs> just way. chopping these recently toasted walnuts, just giving them a rough chop. You know, you, you want you don't want a, a fine sort of. So maybe should I have done that before we roasted it? Would that be an easier thing to do? Usually, yeah. yeah okay. But for, for the sake of the podcast, I'm uh, speed uh, curtailing things. So roasting roasting the walnuts maybe even half an hour, even before you put the rice on, mm -hmm. is probably good. But I have burnt the hell out my fingers so much over the years that. <laughs> this isn't really phasing me. Um, but yeah, they, these are the last things adding because you want to keep a bit of the crunch. Mm -hmm. So what next for Sister Ghost? So, yeah, so I'm in a, kind of an exciting time where I am making an album. Wow. So yeah, so I recently, um, a couple of months ago, I sent my demos. So all of last year, I self-recorded um, demos. So like did full band demos myself. And then sent it on to one of my Northern Irish music heroes, Kaharo Doherty, who was in Fighting With Wire in oh, the noughties. Yeah. yeah, I love Fighting With yes, Wire. They know, were bloody cracking band. Yeah. So good live. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and so sent it on to Kahar and was like, what do you think? Like, do you have any advice on this? Like, I really respect you as a songwriter and any advice would be appreciated. Um, so he got back and he was like, I love it. I love the Cisco sound. Let's have a, a chat about it all um, and now he is my producer for the album so awesome. yeah so excited <laughs> awesome that is superb yeah so and, and when do you think you're going to start recording well hopefully about august time maybe i mean possibly even while i'm away in america with girls rock santa barbara my drummer can go and record the drums so really this summer yeah wow and we'll hope to have the album which i've already named addicts um to be coming out next year. Yeah. That's fantastic. So Shannon, thanks very much for cooking a meal for two by two with me today. Uh, we'll, we'll get eating. And before I sign off to say good luck with recording the album and it's been a pleasure doing this with you today. Thank you very much, Van. Cheers. Our theme tune is The Old Oak Wood Grows Green Again by Column Sands, performed by Column Sands and Anne Harper and published by Elm Grove Music.